from the world to your ears. Welcome to Yakin with Yassian, a podcast about music and its business, featuring your host, Dan Yassian. Okay, so I'm going to read something to you. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to read. We're just going to start from there. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Oh, my mercy. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pent. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Bruce Miller, what is this? Can you tell us what this is? It's a theme song. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, From? From... uh, a show that I did that I'm very proud of called Frasier. And uh, it was a spinoff of Cheers and uh, starred Kelsey Grammer and a great cast. And it was a great show. And so I did the uh, did all the music for it. This was the lyric that my friend Daryl Fennessy, who's so brilliant, came up with for the song. At the same time, you've done not just this, but other shows. You did the theme music for Wings. You've done the theme music for Designing Woman. You've done the theme music for Becker. So everybody in the country, of course, is going to be familiar with your music. They may not know you. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today is it's it's about you and what you've been doing all of your life. Um, And uh, coincidentally, you and I have had a lot of the same uh, common ground as you've been a resident of Detroit who moved on, and I, of course, hail from Detroit. So you start your career here before you go into the service and all that, but you're you're aligning yourself with a lot of Detroit acts. Like who? Who might they be? All over the place. I was working at WXYZ TV. Sometimes they would need a band, and I would, you know, in some recordings. That was just kind of popping in all over the place. You know, right. uh, but mainly as a player, it was pretty much what I what I did. I didn't really start writing seriously till a while later. I'm trying to remember the band from WXYZ. Hal something, right? Well, that was Soupy Sales Band. Oh, right. Hal, Hal Gordon. Hal Gordon, yeah. Did you work with Hal Gordon? I knew Hal very well, and, and his guitar player, Joe Messina, is to this day my guitar hero. Part of the Funk Brothers. Part of the Funk Brothers, but just the most amazing jazz everything player. Yeah, And uh, he was my mentor and still one of my dearest friends to this day. In the Rooster Tail Band, who were some of the acts that were coming through there? People like Steve Lawrence, Edie Gourmet, I think. Oh, sure. They've come through. And I know Peggy Lee used to go through there. And, oh, my, yeah. Uh, it was very, very good. And John Trudell had the band then. Right, the late Johnny Trudell. The late John Trudell. We just, well, unfortunately, he just passed, yeah, away. just passed away, yeah. But, you know, here's where I'm, I'm kind of stuck uh, in, in following you. How does Paul Anka enter your world? And that takes you to other places. Well, that, that was, you know, I was just doing what I do and just playing around in the city. And uh, I got a call from the Elmwood Casino. Oh, yeah. Paul Anka was coming in and needed a guitar player. And, yeah, I said, sure, I'm happy to do it. And that was it. At like the second night of this show, he called me into his dressing room and, and asked me if I wanted to go on the road as his guitar player. So that was kind of how that started. And then we, we traveled, we were all over the world. So it was for, for three years, I stayed. Wow. Uh, and he was, he treated you well, I suspect? Or? You know, he always, he always treated me well. I never had a problem with him personally. Yeah. You know, uh, I left him 
at a time where I, I knew we were going to be not on the road for several weeks and he could find somebody else. I, I met a girl. I wanted to get married and I wanted to move to LA. You leave behind Detroit. Yes. But then you're meeting. How do you get into meeting people to take you to where you want to go? What was your ambition then at that time in, in Los Angeles? What did you say? I want to do what? I wanted to be an arranger. Composing wasn't even a thought at that time. It was just writing. I wanted to be the arranger. I wanted to be the Don Costa, the Nelson Riddle, the whatever. So I made the announcement that no work for the first three weeks. I'm not going to do it because I'm, I want to set up the, the apartment. I want to get you know, buy a car, get myself together, all this stuff. No work. Well, six months later, <laughs> the phone didn't ring. And, uh, and I, was, I was sitting doing nothing. And it was, it was scary. You know, she was working at the airport, which was close to where we were as a ticket lift agent right. for American. So she was the only one making money. I had friends from all over, you know, I knew some people out here. So I played in a few of the kicks bands, you know, the, you know, guys have the bands that they write for. I played in some of those. I, I kind of just, I started watching the other arrangers. I started, you know, learning who they were and what they did and listening to what they did. And uh, it was just, that was what I loved doing. I, I, I would look at scores. I would look at, at, you know, listen to records that other people did. And if I could find a score somewhere, if I knew a copyist that had it, I would look at and see what does that look like on paper? I couldn't visualize what does it look like? I knew the instruments. That was my, probably my best asset was because having played a lot of instruments, not necessarily well, but knowing them well, when I'm on a session, I don't get hands raised. Because everything I write is, is, it may be difficult, but it's playable. So that was a big, big help when you're starting to become an arranger. Because a lot of these people, and now with the computers, they really don't know about anything. They're not even sure the difference between a, a trumpet and a trombone. They don't even know. So I was able to bypass all that stuff and just get into harmonies and, and real melody writing and, you know, that kind of thing. But this is the stuff that, uh, you either you got a uh, basis for at Wayne State, uh, having studied some music theory or whatever you were doing over there, or this was an evolution through time. Pretty much self-taught, yeah, with the help of of friends. I mean, I was uh, I had a copyist named George Annis, another ex-Detroiter, mm. who was the greatest guy ever, but right. he was also a great arranger. He used to tell me to everybody. Yeah. And right next to him, adjoining him, was a arranger named Gene Page. Gene was the sound behind Barry White, Love Unlimited, and and every Elton John, Philadelphia Freedom, and, and, and Gene was the guy. Well, yeah. because George copied for Gene, I was able to see some of his scores. Oh. Well, I would I would just look and check it out, and and then when it came time for me to write, I, I had this to kind of draw on, to the point where. I ended up actually being the the probably the most frequent ghostwriter for Gene when he would get in trouble. He would he would call me to to you know write a chart. And can you so explain can, just just for our audience? Can you explain ghostwriter? Uh, what is a ghostwriter? Yeah. Ghostwriter is somebody that gets called in to write music for the person that got the call for the job. Right. They're a ghost. They're, they're not seen. They're not heard from. They can get paid for the work, but not necessarily get credit for the work. They don't get credit. 
there it's it's hidden you know a lot of people have to do that to get started right now all these guys these composers in la everybody's got an assistant i'm the only one that doesn't i never did but they've all got assistants and they've all got orchestrators and they've all got this and that i've always done my stuff alone everything and uh but these assistants uh, some of them are given fantastic if you're john williams assistant your work is I mean, your work's cut out for you, but but it's doable because you're given the material in the music where you just you're orchestrating. That's how you get going. Nobody does it alone. You don't. I don't care how brilliant you are. Somebody's got to stick their neck out. I mean, I made friends, but the thing is, you can't make friends like I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to make friends with this guy because he can help me. Right. They're so used to seeing that right. you get found out in about three seconds. You're listening to Yakin' with Yesian. Visit danyesian.com and sign up for the newsletter to receive all the latest content, including vlogs, podcasts, and all things related to Dan's feature work and Armenian Trilogy. Now back to the conversation. When I think about what you've done in your life, in particular, you know, all these shows that have been part of our pop culture, whether it's designing women or wings or Becker or, well, of course, Frazier, but where would you find that opportunity to get into the first big show? What was the first big show? I got a call from, I forget who recommended me. That's not very good. I should really remember. Gerald Immel, Jerry Immel, who wrote the theme to Dallas and Knott's Landing and all those shows. And they had the Knott's Landing theme. He wanted it updated. And I was like, the hip guy in town, you know, back then. That led to Lorimar. That led to the music supervisor at Lorimar. From there, I was I was doing some scoring for Knott's Landing. It was my first time doing that kind of real serious orchestra scoring. So I did those. I did a I redid the Dallas theme. These Annie Women was a very big show. Mm-hmm. It was on for one the first year. And then I got a call to do the last episode of the first year. Next thing I knew, I got a call and said they really liked what you did, and they would like you to come on the show. I ended up being with those people for the next six years on that show. Wow! wow. And then, then they did another show, Hearts of Fire, and then these are the people, the Thomasons, that uh, were President Clinton's best friends. Right. They were so they 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 did um, the video. Played the night before Bill Clinton's election. And you scored the music for all of that. Yeah, and that was it. Was called The Man from Hope. Wow. And they, they said it was like the biggest event contributor to his winning the election. That led to oh god, Pam and I went back. We were invited to the inauguration in Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the music director of the G8 summit a few years later. That was in Denver. Did all Hillary's campaign videos. The last one was very good. It was a, a movie called Shoulders. I remember we were at edit room. I scored it with my son, Jason, who's taken on the carrying the mantle. We were sitting in an edit room. and All of a sudden, we find out that they're not going to air it. It was brilliant. And it's got every great lady in history represented their families holding signs up and going through. This. It's, it's great. It's called Shoulders. Wow, that's too bad that that didn't... Uh that did not air, but it's on YouTube, you're saying. 
And it's somewhere. It's on YouTube. Yeah, you can just yeah. they can Hillary Clinton shoulders. It's that's just amazing how that all one follows the other. You know? But that's what it is. And the same thing happened at Paramount for Wings, where I scored the end of the first season, I believe, and stayed with that show for the next five years, however long it ran. That were the same people that had Frasier. So then that led so into Frasier. That's that's how Frasier comes to pass. That's how everything comes. That's how everything comes. And uh, and Becker Becker was in 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 between all. Well, Becker Becker came after Frasier. Are you able to meet these people in these shows like Kelsey and like you know David you David know? Pierce? Yeah, I gen- I would meet them generally if like with Frasier. You know, Frasier never had any any transition music it's got the main title that i did a little right. snippet a little jazzy thing and then the song at the end and mm-hmm. so they'd give me good budgets like get big orchestras to do those if there's gonna be an episode that has big ballroom scenes or or special things where they need you know where they need uh, special music i would do that otherwise i wasn't around but because of those things uh i would i would meet them and then, and then at the at the end of the of the run, at the end of the eleven year run, uh, the three executive producers, and I, I think Kelsey maybe too, but took everybody to Hawaii for a week. Oh wow! Like everybody, every every grip, every writer, every uh, craft services person, <laughs> hmm. you know, and amazing. it was it, it was pretty amazing. You know, musicians, as you know, we don't get a lot of respect. Uh, we're kind of, especially in advertising, we're kind of on the low end of the totem pole, right? So, absolutely. How does that happen with with these television shows? It, is it kind of the same thing? I'll, I'll tell you what it is exactly. I would walk into places back in the day, and it was like you know, people were so appreciative, and like you know, it's the composer. Now. The less you're seen, the better. And, and friends of mine have a lot of close friends and have a lot of shows on the air right now. And they never see anybody on the show. Wow. Relative to that orchestra that's on stage, the producers come in, they all uh, are, are listening to this music track going down and you're conducting and it's your arrangement and so on and so forth. And, oh, we, it's not quite right. Does that ever happen? Has that ever happened? Oh, yeah, all the time. Well, the time. you've got all these guys sitting in their chairs, 20, 50 musicians, whatever it is. What, how, what are you doing then? We stop. <laughs> and I try to find out what, what's bothering them or what they're hearing. That, And then, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've done it too. You, you do whatever you can do in that time to, to help, what they, you know, help, help them get what they want. Uh, sometimes the requests are actually really good. You know, can you do this? You know, can, it, it's a little sad. Can you do something to lift it up a little bit? And so you get off the podium, you walk over to some of the players, you say, can you do this? Can you do that? They're there to help. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you manipulate it. You know, we aim to please. We want to, we want to do right. And, uh, but like I say, frequently we're, we're asked, you know, part of our job is to kind of, interpret to make it better not to make it worse 
and you and I talked about this one too before. Uh, the way things are done today, we're talking about keyboards and synthesizers and so on and so forth. But back in the day, and I'm talking 20, 30 years ago now, because you've mm -hmm. been doing this a long time as well. Uh, yep. Whatever you were doing in order to get this music across to a producer so that they would understand what you were doing, um, you didn't have the added value of being able to present your work on a, on a keyboard using synthesized sounds. So right. how, would you, how would you do this? How would you they got what communicate? They got. We would have a spotting session, of course, you know, which, uh, what's a, what's a, spot, a spotting session is what we, we, we would, we would, I would sit with the producers and we, they would play the unfinished, you know, the, the final edit, but they'd play the, the, the show and, right. uh, we decide we want here, let's do this. It's okay. When she walks through the door, start there and then yeah. play through and then change up here. And, and then next cue, we're going to go to, uh, you know, there's a shot of the exterior, the outside of the house. And, uh, and so we decide where everything was going to go there. And then the next time they'd see me was in the studio with the orchestra. I'm just still fascinated by the fact that while you're doing notation and presenting that to a producer, well, you're not presenting the notation to a producer because they're not going to be able to read music, right? Right. So, right. so, you're you're doing the notation. It's all coming out of your head. You may or may not have a keyboard in front of you, or you always have a keyboard in front of you. When, I mean, I, I when would usually have a. I, I would have a keyboard just to check stuff to maybe work out some harmonies or something. But actually, writing—that's another thing. So many of my colleagues out here know how to sketch, and a sketch is basically you're taking all the instrumental parts, the whole orchestra, two hundred players. And you're putting it all on like three staffs. I never knew how to do that. I so I always go right to the big score paper with all the parts: violin one, violin two, violins, right. cellos, and trumpet one and trumpet two, and all that. And I would write right on there because it's faster. And I'll make a little sketch of something if I just don't want to forget, like some chords that are following each other. A certain little melody i'll just sketch it out a little piece of paper right but actually doing the work was a lot of time for that so i would just go right to what we call the big paper the score paper fascinating the competition yesterday 30 years ago as opposed to what it is today is it about the same with composers it's different it's different now it was more of an even playing field back in the day if you were better than me then you had a good chance of getting a job. Yakin with Yassian, a podcast about music and its business. So you've been working with your son now, Jason, and we all know that he's a composer. Uh, you still work with your son, right? Yeah, it's, it's more him hiring me these <laughs> days. That's the way it is. But I'll he was playing it. He on the Becker show. He was doing a lot of the guitar work on Becker, right? He, he did that <laughs> actually on that show. I had this idea for this sound, you know, this kind of raucous, you know, to represent Ted Danson, who was like just this rough, gruff, nasty doctor, and he nailed it. And so we used to, I used to prepare all the tracks for him, 
he'd come home one day from, he was living in Westwood at UCLA. He'd come home, his guitar was here. And I'd point, here's what I want. So we're, we're in A. You know, listen to the track one time, he'd listen to it and blaze away. It would move out of the next one, then he'd go back to school for the week. And that's how we did it. That's pretty cool. Now he, now he calls me, you know, for, for stuff that he doesn't do. So I think it's a great, you know, a compliment for one of, each one of you. I think it's great. Well, the thing is, I'll tell you what's really great about it, Dan, is that um, music has changed a lot. And so a lot of the, a lot of the rhythm parts and, and synth parts, synthesizers, and all that stuff, a lot of those parts, they're different now. It's a different thing. Mm-hmm. And you've got to realize where your strengths are. He's totally into that stuff. Like if, if he says, this is what the cool kids are doing now, this is cool. Mm-hmm. I can take that to the bank, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I can do, I can put my strings on it or my horns or whatever. And I know how to keep that cool. But as far as the basic tracks, you or your boys, especially would know no it's it's dated it's it's not it's not the real thing i get that all the time from my sons you're dated <laughs> well the thing is we have to listen to them because, <laughs> because, exactly. because they're they're in the middle of it all they know any words of advice for anybody who wants to and i know you've been asked this before wants to go into the field of music uh any music uh is there do they go to wayne do they go to uh, uh do they go to train with somebody else and i mean what what do you do what what do you do these days okay i'm speaking to all the young composers out there yeah the best thing you can do call dan yesian <laughs> and tell him that you want to be a composer that you're willing to intern get coffee do all that and uh and don't go any further <laughs> and you're going to make a fortune. Yeah. Right. That, that said, I would say, honestly, I mean, it's so, I don't want to tell anybody don't go to college. I'm glad I went to college, even though I learned nothing professionally. I think it's important to be educated, to be informed, but learn everything you can, because if you get that shot, that one shot, if you don't come through, then you're in trouble. So you better be able to come through and you'll get that experience. A lot of friends of mine that started as like interns and they were taken advantage of by some of the best composers in the world. But that's what you have to do because you learn it, then you get a chance to do it. And then if you get lucky, you get your own, but at least get in the game. That's honestly, that that's the best advice I can give them. I know that um, I'll never stop pushing my son, learn, 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 learn more, learn more. And even things he's not interested in, I say, but you know what? You got to know what they're talking about. Right. And so, you know, but not everybody has me to sit there and, and bug them right. and make them crazy. But you know, and I'm sure you tell your sons who are so successful also that, uh, I mean, they're carrying your mantle and you have to know what you're doing. I yeah. mean, you can only get by so long without either getting somebody to do the work for you. And then you just look good 
or you fail. This has been a pleasure, Bruce, I have to tell you, but I'm going to leave you with one sentence. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Can you just give us the origin of that before we leave you? Yes. Uh, the, in, the, the instruction for that thing, but I was competing with two other composers, even though I was their wings guy. And, but I still had to go up against a blind, a blind uh, blindfold test to mm -hmm. see who got the theme. And fortunately, I did. What it was, the instruction was, we want a song that does, Kelsey Grammer was a psychiatrist. Right. Don't mention psychiatry. Don't mention crazy people. Don't mention people in, in, in therapy. Um, any, of, any of these things that the show's about, don't mention them, but make it germane to the show. My friend Daryl, who came up with that line, toss salads and scrambled eggs, they're things that are mixed up. You know, hear the blues a calling. Well, we look at that as music, blues. No, there are people that are sad, that are suffering from the blues. Right. Those are his patients, and they're mixed up. So hear the blues a calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. But Kelsey Grammer is singing this on the way out of the, uh, uh, on the yes. scene. Yep. And how, how, is, how does that decision come about that he's going to do this? I wanted Mel Torme. If you, if you hear the song, if you could picture Mel Torme singing it, and we've done I love like Mel Torme. I love Mel Torme. Picture Mel Torme singing that song. It would have been, except that Kelsey is so stylized, and he's, he's a very talented performer. Right. As far as just, he puts stuff into that that nobody else would have done. Wow. You know, or somebody else would have done it, but they'd have to be as clever as him. Right. Where he just made it his own. And so they knew more than I did because I wouldn't have chosen that. I wouldn't have known to choose him. Yeah. They did. And thank God they did because he just, uh, he tore it up. I mean, he was, he went in there and all the little things at the end, good night, Seattle. And we love you. And yeah, yeah. little thing, you know, that was great. That was all, that, those little lines were him. Well, Bruce Miller, composer, conductor, extraordinaire. It was such a pleasure to have you joining us for this. Uh, we, you've given us a lot of great answers to a lot of questions I'm sure people want to have answers to. So thank you thank so you. much. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Dan. And uh, thank you. Thanks, Bruce. Okay, bye. Okay. This has been Yakin with Yesian. Thanks for tuning in. As always, visit danyesian.com for all the latest content. See you soon.